Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on the Next Level Agents podcast, and today I'm joined by Daryl Owen. Daryl, how's it going, man? Hey, beautiful, man. Good to see you, Kevin. Good to see you, too. Uh, you and I had the chance to connect recently at the Built How event. Uh, we ended up, um, actually, we I guess I was going to say backstage, but we were on stage together, not just backstage hanging out. I got the yeah. opportunity to interview you once uh, with a few other folks, uh, and then you and I ended up chatting a little bit. We're like, man, we should actually continue this conversation. So Daryl, why don't we start here, man? Give for the listener that doesn't know you, uh, yet give, give us the 30 second overview or two minute overview of who, you know, who are you? Give us a little bit about your business. And I personally want to dig into a little bit about how you got started since I got that kind of got the teaser, if you will, at built how I want to dig into that a little bit, but talk to us about your business today and, and what, how, you know, some of the changes you've gone through this year. Yeah, definitely. Good question. Uh, I spent the last 12 years building a brokerage, independent real estate brokerage in California, Southern California. I was headquartered out of Point Park and then Long Beach. And we covered Orange, LA, Riverside, San Bernardino counties in terms of just our overall market. But we were predominantly based at Long Beach and surrounding cities. Uh, we grew that from an agent, one agent to about a thousand eight years as an independent brokerage. And um, and then over the last 10 years of building that company, we developed seven other businesses that are predominantly in the real estate fields, you know. And of course, you want to have these ancillary businesses when you own the brokerage firm uh, to make the to make it worth it, right? Because the brokerage firm is a ton of liability and overhead. The margins aren't that good. So you want to leverage your title, you want to leverage your escrow, right? So we built an independent escrow business. Uh, I had launched a licensing school back in 2011 too. That grew to over 10,000 students. And that was a huge driver of the brokerage growth too. So we, we still hire through the school. In fact, even now that we've merged the brokerage with EXP, you know, we're still pumping out students every month and we're just going to drive them to the EXP system now too. Dude, that's a, that's a lot. A um, lot to go on there. Okay. So, so you recently merged with EXP. Um mm-hmm. Tell me, I mean, a thousand, gosh, growing a, an independent brokerage of a thousand agents. So let me ask you this, because a lot of times I talk to independent brokerage owners and sometimes they're like, they're truly an independent brokerage. Like that's it. Like all of the agents there under that umbrella sort of do their own thing. Just like if it was like a, a big brand. Right. Uh, and then a lot, a lot of times also an independent brokerage is really a team. They just have their own brokerage. And sometimes it's kind of a mix. Which were you? Yeah, good question. We were the more traditional brokerage model. So we would develop agents as independent agents. We never ran like a team ridge, even though in hindsight, that's probably what I should have done. We just never built it that way. Uh, And then we developed agents into teams, right? Over time, as agents became more successful and productive, they started to build some leverage for themselves. And so we had a couple of people start from the school and 
and grow into massive teams. And it was really cool to see. The licensing school also kind of enabled us to recruit more teams from like local offices, like competitors, like Keller Williams, for example, because we had all these students and I was looking at the success rate when it sounds bad, right? Because I own the brokerage, but man, the turnover rate of agents joining and entering the industry is so high. The failure rate is so high. And no matter what we did as a brokerage, I was just burning through money and resources, developing training and coaching and mentorship. And you're just pouring in as much as you can. And it's still hard to move the needle when you're hiring so many people because it's just tough. It's sales, right? And a lot of people underestimate getting in this industry, what it means to be successful in real estate. We think the, you know, lunches and million dollar listing kind of lifestyle is just how it is. And the reality <laughs> is, is you're spending the majority of your day drumming up business, right? And prospecting and making calls and doing open houses and door knocking and putting in the grind. And just a lot of people don't really think that's what it's like at first. And so it's a tough reality check. And as I was seeing agents joining teams, I was like, man, the agents are just more successful on teams. And so over time, I started leveraging like, hey, if you join my brokerage and bring your team over, like I'll give you agents, I'll train the agents, I'll grow your team for you. And that was a really enticing value proposition. So it did enable us to start recruiting some more top teams in the market. And then over time, I realized, man, I am building these teams, but if the team leader leaves, they take all my agents with them. <laughs> right? And they're like, that sucks. That's a big hit you take. And so, uh, and then you're competing with lower caps and you're trying to keep, you know, the value proposition there and it just gets challenging. And then the second problem is, is that some of those teams, they just didn't need more agents. They just weren't ready for more growth or they just weren't ready to grow yet, like the leadership style. And so I kind of ran into this problem where uh, I'm a leader that hasn't sold real estate in six years. And that was ironically my only goal, right? As a top agent, I just wanted to graduate to full-time CEO and grow the brokerage firm. That's all I cared about. Took me three and a half years to make that leap to be able to sustain my business in life full time without having to sell any more real estate. That was really cool. But then 10 years later, it's like, man, I'm a little burnt out and I kind of miss it. And now I'm feeling a little bit like I'm losing some of that edge that you have when you are in the trenches every day. And so I was looking at that thinking, I need to build a team to prototype how it can look and work, right? So that I can show my other top teams how to do it and develop more agents into top teams. But I also need to have a team because I have all these students coming out of my school and I need to have a system that if I can plug them into can essentially guarantee their success. And that was my driver. So Debbie DeGroat introduced me to Ben Kinney about five years ago and uh, asked him a favor if he would work with me. And so he, Ben started coaching me weekly and we started working together closely on building out my team. And and so I remember I started my first morning meeting with the team, uh, April, 2020 during COVID lockdowns and, uh, the team closed hundred million in 18 months with a net profit of a million, uh, during COVID. So I was like, okay, these are agents that were at my brokerage who some of them didn't sell one piece of real estate for two years. And now they're my number one agents on my team making 300 grand or more per year. It is, it was like, okay, this, this is it. Like, this is the next gen brokerage model. You know what I mean? What, I mean, dude, first of all, that's phenomenal numbers right there. Um, but let me ask you this question. Let's go back to, okay. So you do this, you take some agents that are maybe not as productive or, or in some cases not productive at all yet. What do you think the thing was for them that helped them to, to actually get into production and to become a productive agent toward to the point where you guys, you know, hundred million dollars in volume and 
million dollars of net profit. Those are, those are fantastic numbers. Like, how do you, like, how, what do you think was the, was the driver of that? If you <laughs> narrow it down to one, two, or maybe even three things. Yeah. Good question, man. So there's quite a few things that come to mind. Uh, one, the standard was like, I was really hardcore in the standard. Like I meant it, this is buds, like boot camp Navy seals. Like you're coming in for hell week. And so I'm going to make the first two weeks really hard. And I want that. And I want, and I'm very upfront with them in the interview. I want you to know that because I want to get rid of the quitters right now. Like if you're not here to win and you're not willing to persevere, I don't want you because at the time, especially I was pouring into them and I was all in, I was doing every appointment with them, anything I had to do to help them win. That's what I was willing to do. And it mattered. And I didn't have that many agents. I think there was only eight of them at the time. So it was easier to do back then. And so um, that was one thing, like we have a system which has been system, right? Like you're going to call 10 people in brevity every day, minimum, and invite them to our next event, build relationships with your sphere. You're going to make 150 mojo dials with one of our listings, just listed, just sold, just pending. And uh, you're going to do two open houses a week. But back then we couldn't do open houses because of COVID, right? So we, we were doing virtual open houses. And so if you do those things and you go through my 86 day program, when you onboard and you graduate, now you're not, one of my employees or one of my partners. And when you become my partner, now you have access to my leads. Now you have access to my network. Now you have access to my referrals. And one of the things that I do is if they got a listing appointment, especially if they're new or a buyer's consultation appointment, that's usually where agents who are new fall short. Like they just, they haven't spent enough time doing these presentations and you have to do hundreds to get good at them. You know what I mean? Yep. But that's where the magic is, right? Like if you're good at the presentations, the buyer consultation, the listing consultation, then all you got to do is just book more appointments and you're converting 70, 80% of these to contracts. And so I was just like, look, your job is to set my appointments. You know, but you're going to go with me. You're going to be my business partner at these meetings, but I'm going to get the contract signed. And you're going to learn how it's done. And that's literally what we did. And so I'd go with them on all the listing appointments and I get most of them signed. You know, I'd go with them, all the buyer presentations. It was all Zoom, by the way. <laughs> so it's easier to do even from home. I might do five or 10 appointments in a day, but I was doing it at home during COVID lockdowns on Zoom. And it was kind of great. And I was just converting the clients for them. And so they could see how the presentations look and the scripting. And it just shortened the learning curve. Plus, I was getting the business signed. And and they would see how relentless sometimes you'd have to be when you don't get the listing contract signed at the first meeting. It might take two or three more meetings because they just weren't ready yet. But man, you have to be relentless with your follow-up. And most agencies don't, they underestimate how relentless you have to be with the follow-up. And so if I was to sum that up, the first thing is, is they're really just really standards. Like when you're joining, I'm all in with you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure you're successful, but only if you're all in with me. If you're not showing up to my morning meetings, Monday through Friday at 8.30, we're not role-playing Monday through Friday at nine. You're not making your calls and I'm tracking in my mojo and brevity. Like we're not going to be in business together. And there's, you can go be a mediocre agent at the brokerage, right? But you're here to win and excel and be a top agent. You're here to be elite. I'm here to make sure you're elite and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make you win. And that's that mutual respect and relationship was important. So I kind of built it that way. And then the other thing we would do is just the the sphere invites. We do these client events back then virtually. Now we do some big events in person and give them a reason to call their sphere and just bring some value to them. You know, pumpkin giveaway this month for Halloween, for example, and a holiday party for the clients and just stuff like that. So we put together these events and then they give the agents something to bring value to their spheres with. And uh, so a combination of the standards, combination of me kind of helping them get the appointments and contracts signed, and then just really deal doctoring and handholding them. And then working with them each week, I'd meet with them one-on-one and I'd just coach them through back then at GPS and 411. 
which essentially is like your goals, strategies, priorities, you know, just focusing into one thing for the year. And a 411 would just break down the, the annual goal down into a monthly and, and weekly metrics that we need to hit to drive your year. And, and so I would just work at that each week, one-on-one for 30 minutes, coach them through whatever it is they were struggling with. And that was my formula and it, and it worked really well. Do you, so what I heard, what, what jumps out to me and uh, it, so, and if you disagree, please say so, um, is you gave them some structure and kind of held their hands on a, like you do, you actually didn't do anything crazy. There's nothing propri- proprietary there about what no. you did. Uh, in fact, I was laughing because after spending uh, five days with Ben in 2014, I did the exact same thing with my team, um, literally to a T and it like it works. And my, so what I think I heard you say is you can actually, I always hesitate because so many team leaders are like, I make people more productive. I'm like, yeah, you can't actually make anybody. <clears throat> you can facilitate an environment for them to be productive for certain. And if you get the right people who are willing to follow you, but there are these people that like, they just don't understand the structure or they're not the type of person that can give themselves the structure. And so if you, if you plug them into like, well, here's the structure that I've done. And and I kind of want to go back to your past a little bit here in a few minutes, because um, you, you, you personally are able to be very structured. I know that about you Uh, in like here, just follow me and let's do exactly this. And when people are willing to do that, like it turns out that it works. Is that what am I oversimplifying that? No, you are. It's exactly right. In fact, it's that simple. <laughs> you think it's super complicated, but it's not. And it's kind of funny too, because even though Ben would work with me weekly, like I did a lot of the work on my own. I'd find every YouTube video with Ben in it, and I'd literally transcribe the whole video and document his systems and process. Because when I was on the phone with him, I wanted to troubleshoot what I was, the gaps I had, not the stuff I could find myself. Right. So that's how serious I took it. And I just implemented everything that I found to a T and anybody can do it. You know, it's all there, you know, and none of it's complicated, but it's the setting the standard, like you said, and just having a system for consistency, you know, that's so good. Um, Let's go backwards for a second because you told a story on stage at at Bill Tao that blew me away. Um, Had to do with like early, early days of your business and getting it going. So um, talk to me about how you got your sales business going. I mean, I could ask you a hundred questions, I think about growing an independent brokerage to a thousand agents. Um, But I think what I want to do is I want to talk about the granular stuff. Like Daryl is an agent who's got to get some business going and got to make some money. Like, how did you get that going such to the point and go out and have this reputation and start to build a brokerage that big. Let's, let's talk about you as a salesperson early on. Yeah. Uh, good question. So I got, I passed my test in uh, 2005. I was 21. And right after I passed my test, two weeks later, I was being airlifted to a trauma center. I had a severe head trauma from an accident and uh, I had to be revived. And so I woke up later in the hospital. I remember somehow being in the helicopter. I don't know what that was about you know i looked up and i see this nurse's face she was young and i'll never forget that look because it was just like fear and and um like she felt bad for me i don't know how to describe that feeling i'll never forget it because i was like what happened you know what i mean where am i it was so weird and so uh initially i couldn't i was eventually released from the icu in the hospital and i couldn't uh walk 
And it, uh, that was right when I was starting my career. Um, it took me three months to be able to walk without assistance. And I was in physical therapy and there's another guy there that was far worse than me. And so at the time, like my teeth were broken out, by the way, from the accident, my front teeth. Um, I had crazy scars and all this stuff in my head. And I just like, man, I'm not, all my goals are just over like this. You know what I mean? It's kind of feeling sorry for myself. Um, like I had all these visions of how I was going to be this successful agent and and build this huge business. And I was super excited. And all of a sudden, like everything was over and, you know, and it's like, man, I can't even walk. Um, I couldn't talk that well. So, but watching Jared in that in physical therapy, I realized, man, perspective is strong because I have this perspective that like everything is like over for me. And this guy was 10 times worse than I was. So I just decided at that point, I didn't care. <clears throat> like I was lucky to be alive and, and I was saved for a reason. I was kept for a reason. I was still on this planet for a reason. So I realized that I'm going to make the most of it because I was saved for a reason and I'm here for something bigger, you know? And so um, I decided to jump on into real estate even then. And um, it was a struggle because, you know, I was so committed to working through my problem that uh, I would cold call 500 people a day seven days a week and um, I was booking a lot of appointments but I couldn't speak well and I would mispronounce words all the time <laughs> I still remember uh, some of the words that I would fumble in my buyer presentations back then and my broker thought man Daryl sounds amazing on the phone you guys got to hear Daryl on the phone because I was booking so many appointments and I became his number one agent in 18 months but once they actually heard me on the phone they realized I sound terrible you know <laughs> and uh I realized no matter what your issue is, you could outwork the problem. And so I may have not had that cold call 500 people a day, seven days a week, but that's what I did to break through. And it took about two years to start to feel normal again, you know, after the accident. And so that was a big lesson for me, you know, how powerful perspective can be and how damaging it could be. And as bad as it might be, and there's been times in my life where it's been really bad and times in my life where it's been really good, I remind myself it's not always going to be great and just to be grateful. And uh, when it's bad, it could always be worse and be grateful, you know, uh, but it, somebody always has it worse. And uh, somebody said something, I think it was Andy Grisella. I heard on the podcast one time, he's like, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish or working towards, there's always somebody who had it far worse than you and still made it. You know what I mean? And still made it. And so, um, you know, as, as terrible as I was back then, what I was trying to do and and um, not making a lot of sense, you know, you just got to cold call 500 people a day and you'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, dude, 3,500, that's, you know, 3,500 calls a week, although <clears throat> I think it is anyways, I don't necessarily love doing public math, but um, it's, it's funny, you know, a lot of people, we make these excuses um, and I'm not advocating i'm never advocating for anybody to work seven days a week unless you need to and unless you want to right um but it's it's like dude couple years of hard work you know and in your case seven days a week of 500 cold calls a day 3500 calls a week um like you can and even in your situation where you weren't actually the smoothest on the phone you you had trouble with some words like you can literally outwork that you, you, you could outwork any problem, any level of knowledge in the industry that you have, you can outwork it. 
Um, and I think that it's just so easy for us as agents to forget that because kind of like you said, it's like that lifestyle of, we think, we think real estate is a certain way and we get in and it's like, it's not, but it is. If you work that hard, it can be, you, you can work towards that. And I just think there's not a, whether 500 calls a day is your thing or not, it doesn't matter. It's the mentality of the person that would make 500 calls a day. Like to me, I'm going, Daryl probably succeeds whether he makes cold calls or just something different. Cause it's the mentality of the person that's going, I'll just make 500 calls a day, seven days a week. That person's going to win every time, no matter how good they are script wise or not. hundred <clears> percent. <throat> I agree. It's a, like the power decision, right? Because I decided, um, that I was going to do whatever it took to be successful. I made, I remember the day I made that decision and I remember telling myself, even if I have to sleep in this office, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. And so there just wasn't a limit or will, you know, of my willingness to do well. And so, and I think that uh, if I had given myself a plan B or a plan C, well, if this doesn't work out, I could always fall back on this, or I could always go back to work and do that. Um, that would have been a career killer, right? Because naturally, we're going to probably gravitate towards, uh, gravitate towards like the path of least resistance, you know. And when things get hard, it's really easy for me to say, "Gosh, well, I have this; I can just go do it instead." You know what I mean? And but I didn't give myself that option. There was no plan B, no plan C. This is what I'm doing. I don't care what it means or what it takes. And so, power of perspective and power of decision were probably my two big allies and friends back then. Yeah. Uh, I think that's awesome. Tell us a little bit. So like, as you started gaining a lot of traction, like what, what happened next? Like how soon in did you decide you were going to launch your own brokerage? And was, was there like a moment that made you sort of decide that? Like, cause that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a hard path to go. I think I, in my mind, like to me, running a real estate team is significantly easier than running a real estate brokerage. Uh, but maybe that's just yeah. my perspective. So I'm curious what, what that, decision point was for you yeah so good question i for whatever reason i think that it's good to have the right dose of naivete i was young 21 and when i got into the business and even going through those struggles early on like i knew when i'm full-time two years i'm getting my broker's license because i'm building an empire i don't know why i just from day one that was what i was going to do and so that was a serious effort for me. Um, as soon as I finished my first two years and I had the two years full-time experience that was required by the California Department of Real Estate, I went and applied and took the broker's exam and passed. And so I got my broker's license on two years, but I didn't do it right away. Like I just didn't feel ready. Maybe there was an analysis paralysis involved and fear for sure. But then I was also becoming more complacent, right? So I was about five years in at this office. I was the number one agent. And then I just started slipping. I was not going to sales meetings. I was just burning out. You know what I mean? And in this location where I worked, they didn't allow you to build teams. You couldn't have an assistant. So it was a little bit more of an old school business environment for realtors and wasn't really conducive for what I needed to do next anyways. And so I ended up taking an opportunity in another franchise with a third ownership in an office. I didn't know was losing money. And, uh, but also having a leadership role. So I was there 10 months and it was that experience that finally pushed me over the fence. Like I learned what I could in leadership here. It wasn't a good fit culturally, but it was enough for me to think, okay, I need to go do what I'm going to do next. And so that's what kind of pushed me to starting my company in 2011. 
with the vision of creating a very similar system that I came from, which is having the licensing school components and hiring from the school and, and building it in a very similar way. And so that's how I built it out initially was kind of based off what I've learned from my mentor back, to, at, back then at the time when I got into real estate, plus what I liked about the franchise model of, of Prudential at the same time. Awesome. So let's, let's, let's jump back up to present time. Um, so you build a massive brokerage. You just, as you mentioned, you just recently merged with the EXP. Um, give me an idea. Like, was there, was there a decision point there too, where you went, okay, kind of doing this thing on my own, if you will, uh, obviously when you got that many people, it's never really, you're not really alone, but it, you can, I know it can feel that way. Um, was there something that made you go, Hey, I want to have it. Is there a different focus? What what was the deciding factor for you to go? Hey, here's here's the next version of of my career now going forward. Yeah, good question. So it, there was an identity crisis for sure, kind of losing the identity of being the owner and the CEO of my brokerage. To now, I'm just merging my brokerage. Right, like that was a little bit of a tough challenge to digest. But the reason why I ultimately did it is just because where my passion was. You know, like. Running the brokerage and building the brokerage is what I lived, eat, ate, and breathe, uh, and breathe right for many, many years early on from 2011 to for 10 years. But at the end, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm getting sued all the time, which is what happens when you're the broker, right? Um, class actions over, yeah, California, of course, is very labor friendly. Yeah. Um, I dealt with a class action that cost us four years and a half a million dollars over an agent who worked for my company for one month. Yeah, one of my offices in Hollywood and and then said, hey, you know, I should have been an employee, not an agent. And and Coldwell Banker had just settled the class action. And so that created some case law. And so now other companies are targets for that, right, with other labor attorneys. And so that labor attorney kind of leveraged that settlement and used that against us and it became class. And man, that was like a half million dollars, mostly in legal fees, just to make that that all go away. Or something we didn't even do wrong because the state of California was struggling to recognize, are we independent contractors or are we W-2 employees? It was crazy. And so it's just the nature of doing business and it is what it is, but it's just, man, it's like every time you get a step forward, you get two steps back, you know, and the margins in the brokerage industry aren't that great anyways. You know, you got to have all these ancillaries, which we did to make it worth it. Otherwise it's not a wealth model. It could just be a really good cash flow model if you, you know, preserve your, your margins, right. And you're really firm on your splits and you don't deviate from it, you know, and it's hard to do because you're going to have to be willing to let people leave over splits because you're not going to make concessions, you know? And so I was just looking at that and I'm like, I'm just kind of burnt out from doing this and I'm not getting a lot of fulfillment from it anymore. But when I started the team and I saw the success and how I was able to contribute to people's lives in a way that I just couldn't do anymore at the broker's level, it was like, this is what lights my fire now. Like this is what I want to get out of bed for because I can build people's lives with them. And I've had amazing wins through the brokerage, you know, where people came through my school and built these huge businesses, beautiful businesses. And I was a part of that journey and that's fulfilling. But over time, it just became more of the same thing, revolving door, right? People joining, people leaving, people joining, people leaving. And I just, I just wasn't into it, you know? And so it was kind of tough over time. I just thought, what's the point? 
And as I started to really expand in the team system more, and I started to see like, hey, I can bring so much value to people in this way. And I'm having a real impact and I'm seeing successes and wins for people who were at my own brokerage for two years, didn't do one deal. And now she's the number one agent on my team making 300,000 this year alone in her first year on the team. I'm like, this is what I want to lean into because it works. Like I can't service agents on the broker's level when you're charging a 90-10 split or an 80-20 split and provide them the tools, resources, the leads, everything that they need to be successful. You can't scale that on a broker's level the same way you can on a team level. The team level, even if the agents are on lower splits, they make a lot more money. They do a lot more business and it's a lot more of a healthy, successful model. And the best part is the customers get a lot better service and more consistent service. And that's why I just believe this is the next generation brokerage model. It's also why I partnered with Place too on the team. Yeah, it's it's such a um, interesting thing to to look at. You really, you know, when it as it when it comes to independent brokerages, like you you were one of the biggest ones. Um, and the reality is, even at that point, you're still not big enough to to be able to make it work at scale. Versus like any, where, where the team like you can make it work again. The financial model. Is 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 set up such a way that it benefits both the team owner and the individual agent. It, literally, everybody makes more money on the brokerage level. You just really can't <clears throat> do it like that because there's not enough money to go around to to give everyone the tools and support that they need. Uh, unless you're at massive scale, well, it's one thing yeah. at a thousand agents, which is huge for an independent brokerage. Completely different when you're talking about ten thousand agents, twenty five thousand, or you know. 90,000 agents like an EXP at this point, it, that's a, that's a very different conversation. And so um, that's, that's why it's hard for independent brokerages to work. Not that they can't, cause they certainly can, but you just don't, like you said, the, the model isn't set up to make it so it works. Whereas like on a team, uh, even though the split is quote unquote higher, uh, like the reality is the value is much higher there. The value exchange there is much higher for all parties. 100%. And you said it perfectly because there's people killing it in the brokerage industry. So it's not a dead, dead business, but it is a dying business. The margins are only getting worse, right? And most brokers just run as a loss leader. So they're charging less and less splits, but they're making it up on the mortgage and the escrow and the titles. And and that's just not how I wanted to run the business anymore as a loss leader, you know? And, and so for me, I'm like, hey, God bless you. Like go crazy with it. But I know what my my vision is and where I'm being called to next. And it's just not in that business model anymore. It's what we're doing now in the trenches with the agents on the teams and then building them into teams too. And so that's just what that's what lights my fire now, you know. And that's where I believe the industry is going. And and really, that's where the agents are going to be the most seasoned, the most professional, in my opinion. Dude, what I really respect about you, and and it's probably because this is something I I think that I that I've done in my career is you have, you weren't afraid to make very big changes in your model and kind of forget about your identity. Go. Yeah. Great. I built this. I did this, but I'm, this is actually now where I feel this is my direction where I'm heading. And I'm, so I'm going to go all in on that. I think so often we, as, uh, as business owners get caught up in what we did for the last two years or the last five years or the last 10 years, even that we go, I can't make a change because everyone thinks of me as this. And I think of me as this thing over here, even though the thing I might want to do, like in your case, like you talked about the team, being able to dig in on that, you know, on that business model, forgetting, you know what? Cool. We had a good run doing things this way. I'm now going to do things this way. And I think that takes, um, 
I think it takes a lot of courage that a lot of people don't like, they don't dive into because change is hard. Like they don't like that word. Um, you know, change doesn't feel good and they've got this identity wrapped up and you're going, no, uh, yes, I've done these things, but I'm committed to where I want to go not to where I've been. And I think that is, that's, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, man. Uh, it was hard to, to kind of get used to it for sure, but it just, I wasn't bringing the value to my people in the way that I wanted to anymore, you know, and I don't want to live in that lack of integrity. You know, I want to show up and I want to be in the trenches with them and, and do what, you know, I feel good about doing. And then I'm there for the right reasons. You know, I'm super excited about where things are going next. You know, our industry is changing like never before, you know, and uh, there's going to be how we do business today. We're going to look back in 10 years and say, God, it was good back then, right? <laughs> like, it's always going to change. This is how it is. But I'm ready for it. And I'll roll with the punches. We'll deal with it. But we're going to find a way to win out of the way, man. That's awesome. Well, I know we're running short on time. Um, I know you've got a few few other projects and things that you're working on. Um any, let, me, let me ask you this question. Actually, let me go with this one. First of all, anybody who wants to kind of like follow up, you know, catch up with you, whether on socials or or, or whatnot, or just kind of check out what you're doing, what, what's the best place for people to do that? Is it social media? And if so, which which platforms or if there, is there a website? What, what's the best way for people to kind of just sort of connect with you and see what you're up to? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, Instagram is probably what I would say you should go do first. It's at Daryl R O N. My name always spelled weird. D A R Y L R O N O W E N. And then DarylOwen.com is a website that I have too. So you can go on there and reach out to me and or send me an email. But uh, I'm always here to share everything you can probably tell. I'm pretty open and transparent about my experiences and and maybe even share things that aren't popular in terms of opinions. But you know, I'm totally open and sharing and, and providing value if I can on just what I've learned, what worked for me and what didn't. So I'm an open book. Right on. Well, I love that, dude. Uh, I appreciate you taking some time out today. Um, any any last closing thoughts? Some, maybe something I didn't ask you today that I should have or anything that maybe has been on your mind um, that you would love to just kind of share with like the real estate industry as a whole. Like sometimes people just kind of have messages that they like, want it you know like it's their thing yeah <laughs> i should have a thing like a going out message shouldn't i um you know one of the things i was talking about earlier today is just the the metrics and the economics of brokerage versus team you know and like i i kind of looked at the averages and it's like you know brokerages will profit like a thousand dollars an agent per year like that's about what it looks like you know so you've got 30 agents it's thirty thousand dollars you know, but there's a lot of heartache involved to even grow brokers at 30 agents and then 50 agents and then 100 agents. Once you get over 100 agents, the economics is even harder to sustain that volume without the ancillaries, right? But then you got all that liability and overhead. And if agents is focused on what they do best, you know, which is just getting a deal, you can make 30,000 in one deal, depending on the deal, you know, that's million, million two. And my price point in Orange County, our average price is like a million now, which is also crazy. You know what I mean? And so I think the one thing that I had to fight a lot and maybe is my biggest lesson is that I would say boredom is a thief of success. Boredom is a thief of success. And so it's really easy to fall in that trap of trying something new or chasing some shiny object. I, I do it all the time. I love building stuff. I got nine companies, right? So 
I'm the perfect example of that will tell you of a, a lot too many companies, right? Like it's just, I love building stuff, but man, how many times did I just use that as a distraction to take me away from what works, you know? And so just finding the boredom and just knowing that the real success, the big success is found in the boring shit. You know what I mean? Dead on dude. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, I think on that note, like that's, that's absolutely that's that's the thing right there. Most of us just aren't willing to be bored. Like we're not willing to be bored long enough to find the type of success that would actually excite us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, it's been yeah. really great being with you, Kevin. Appreciate you having me, man. Absolutely, Daryl. I appreciate you taking the time out. Guys, go go follow along on Instagram. Check out his website. Uh, Daryl obviously is a big thinker and a big doer. Uh, and so he's someone that you can, you could ultimately learn from. I, I can guarantee you that. And thanks for taking the time out today, man. Uh, my pleasure. Good to see you, man. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.